fellow travellers and welcome to You Should Have Been There. This podcast is about the ups and downs of travel writing, which is why I'm off to meet Simon Calder via a lift. I'm here with Simon. Uh, where am I? Well, where, where are, are we? Is <laughs> number four Millbank. Let me explain, uh, listeners, why we are here. Um, I thought because we were doing something about the ups and downs of being a travel writer, it would be really important to be in a key tourist location, the sort of place you might find a travel writer. Unfortunately, it's a very damp day, and um, so I suggested to Mick that we retreat from Westminster and all its um, splendour into um, number four, Millbank, which, if you happen actually to be in the uh, SW1 area of London, isn't a bad place to call in because it's this beautiful atrium with a tree. Anyway, um, let's crack on with... um, uh, Well, tell me, what's a travel writer? I think there are quite a lot of them. Um, (laughs) They range from people who write best-selling books which are what we call travel narratives there are people who write sometimes best-selling guidebooks to different destinations many of whom sadly as authors you will never have heard of although you will know the publishers uh, lonely planet brat's guide rough guide etc etc and then there are journalists and um, some of whom like your good self deal with the news Uh, the nuts and bolts um, and the great events of travel and others who, like my good self, just um, occasionally pen a piece about a place and how you get there and what it's like. Yes, what I did on my holidays is how I started. Um, I think I was six and this was what uh, they required at Northgate Primary School where I had the great honour to be a student and um, what I did on my holidays wasn't generally very interesting but um, it has since then I think become a bit more interesting although of course the uh, long-suffering reader will be the judge of that. Um, Can I just ask you um, what what is uppermost on your um, travel writers, travel journalists agenda at the moment? At the moment it is just the madness of travel so um, here we have uh, um, Brexit having been (coughs) done um, by which they mean started Uh, so um, just so you know this morning I have been um, doing various uh, writings about how awful it's going to be for travellers after Brexit actually gets done which will be at the start of 2021 Um, you might have noticed there's a bit of a virus going around not just a news virus but a, uh, a corona virus um, and there's just so, so much happening that sometimes I think, in what other industry would you have such frequency of events which have, are genuinely many times unprecedented? I don't know. But it keeps you very busy, presumably. Uh, yes, yes. Um, it, 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 I, I have been writing about travel as opposed perhaps to being a travel writer for over 25 years and I cannot think of any occasion where I thought, oh, what is there to write about? It's simply a question of um, uh, what, what, uh, what's the most important thing to um, those lucky readers? Well, when I started doing um, a, a small amount of travel writing and uh, I explained to people I met that that was what I was now doing and that was, I suppose, a started properly about 10 years ago they said to me what a fantastic job how on earth did you manage to get that um, and uh, is, is it fantastic I mean what you suggested is that you at least find it fantastic 
Oh, well, look, uh, I, um, it's difficult to compare it with anything else. Um, and I, I would look at it from a point of view of supply and demand. So there is quite rightly a huge amount of travel writing out there. It's destabilising the travel industry. You mentioned guidebooks. Well, look, I can uh, tell you that, that, that guidebook sales have... Well, they seem to have stabilised a bit, but they did fall off a cliff. Um, there are so many blogs, many of them very good, about travel in all its aspects, from the height of luxury to the nuts and bolts of um, uh, frequent flyer points. And so it's great that there's so much supply, which suggests that everybody's enjoying it. It does mean that those of us who've been clinging on with our fingertips to actual paid jobs um, are obviously... Um, going to uh, <laughs> wondering when, when, when the call will come um, but uh, so, so of course it's terrific because you are talking about one of the most important human activities which is looking beyond the horizon to meeting new people to having great new experiences to eating fantastic food to just getting a sense of this uh, wonderful planet and also the mechanics of that are the ludicrous travel industry so oh my goodness me it's heaven thank you for reminding me <laughs> now can you make a living out of it no um, no uh, well, sorry well, uh, I mean, uh, if someone was to sorry, think that, that was one, one of those questions where, where when in quizzes somebody answers too quickly because <laughs> um, when i say no i actually mean yes yeah travel literature is travel narratives as you call them are um can be very lucrative bill bryson of course has done extremely well and if you've got your television tie-up sorted out then you're going to make a living otherwise it's just um you know, scraping by in the manner of a repertory actor i should imagine um it, it, but, but you know freelance money the independent uh, for which i have the privilege to work pays freelancers i think either the same or slightly less than when i was a freelance for it which began 30 years ago um, and you might have noticed that prices have gone up since then and average salaries but not for not per word at the independent one of the problems that um, I found when I uh, went into uh, travel writing was that you were rather dependent not just on um, an outlet a newspaper or whatever it was or a magazine um, accepting uh, your idea and then the stuff that you wrote but also on being sponsored in some way to go wherever it was by uh, a local tourist um, board or national tra- uh, tourist board now I know that um, many um, press trips some of which I've been on uh, um, although they try and do their very best uh, not to reveal very much about this, are actually um, basically um, subsidised. You know, they're paid for lock, stock and barrel by, shall we say, the Panamanian Tourist Board. Well, yes, and the model that increasingly is happening is that um, Instagrammers, bloggers, people with significant followings are quite, quite um, upfront about the fact that, yes, Tourist Board X will play us to pay us to go to somewhere to say good things about it and of course they they absolutely say we would only say good things if we agree with them um we we go to a lovely place we um pose in front of um marvelous monuments and um we publish that to our followers who clearly like it because that's why they follow us and as a result of that we get um a lot of uh, uh money basically and that's that's a perfectly good 
they, where, where, you, where you are actually not just given free facilities, but you're actually given real proper money to write about it. Um, is but, that at the expense of um, objectivity? Well, I don't know. I'm sadly the man who pays his way, which means that I will never know what the, uh, the, the extent to which being on a holiday... Uh, OK, sorry, important working trip which would normally cost you £10,000 and you're getting it for nothing. I've no idea what that does to your um, uh, your, your sense of um, objectivity. I suppose if, if they're bunging you a couple of grand on top of that, that would make it even more difficult. Uh, how did you get started in it, by the way, just uh, out of interest? Uh, how did you get started? Uh, hitchhiking. So um, I liked hitchhiking and I, when I started at college, I met a chap who, and we were talking about hitchhiking, how much we loved it, and he said, wouldn't it be great if it was a book... Uh, about it and um, how to do it and a very mechanical book just sort of saying we were at uh, Warwick University you know if you're in Coventry where do you how do you get to um, London the most efficient way so I said that sounds like a really good idea so I wrote that and that's how I sort of began travel writing which is quite a long way from what I'm doing now but it's been a bit of a journey is this Mick I'm just looking across here I can hear the rustling of papers well in fact I can see the rustling of papers are you going to are you going to tell me some of your greatest hits well I was going to um, try and recall the moment when I first uh, yes. got into this business yes. um, is and, that your uh, very first piece there uh, no, no it's not that's, that's one I'm particularly proud of I'm just going to try and find the very first piece there's a okay. kind of a, a kind of whole bunch of bits of paper which have fallen on the floor oh yes look but, at that uh, here we go I'll let you read it. Right, the here first we are. Bit, so. A week is a long time in Wales. Who hasn't ever said that? You should have been here last week, is the subhead, um, which is quite remarkable given that, that you're now producing a podcast called You, you Should Have Been There. And this, um, look at the date here as well. The date, it's the um, weekend edition. It's a nice, huge uh, broadsheet page uh, from the 8th of August 1998. Who knows what we were doing there? It's a magnificent. Um, a piece. Gosh, the quality of photography, thankfully, that's being published has slightly improved since that was taken. It looks like a very badly reproduced postcard from, um, that's been through the uh, sorting office. Oh, look, and there's a very nice piece on the other side called Summer Flights Go for a Song. In an unexpected fit of generosity, British Airways has announced a host of cut-price deals to tempt travellers. But, as Simon Calder explains, you'll have to be quick to take the best advantage of BA's budget magnificence. Um, There's nothing, uh, like magnificence. A, nothing like a quick headline. Well, no, and a but, but look at this. <laughs> uh, but here I am looking at the best flight deals. So, this is 1998, everybody. You could get from London to Bordeaux and back for 80 quid. Um or to Nice for 80 quid and I, you know, this was such big news that there was a big headline there um, of course anybody can get from uh, London to Bordeaux for 80 quid these days, it's very straightforward oh, interesting times well this came about and maybe I should just read the first paragraph yes, of course, of course. Of course. Just we, so we're, we're all we, looking we, forward so to it we, actually, we are, I think yeah. the audience are as well, well a week here, is yeah. a long time in Wales yes, it, a long it says here um, with my balance almost completely lost I tottered on the narrow ledge, one arm grasping a struggling child and the other flailing wildly while the heavy seas crashed menacingly below us. 
There was just time enough to ponder the folly of involving the whole family in hearty adventures before I miraculously found a foothold on the slippery rock. Uh, I might say the struggling child was mine. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, you, you definitely should have been there. And, yes. and the reason this ever got into this wonderful newspaper was that um, uh, I was uh, in a pub um, yeah. after work and was introduced to some bloke who... Um, they said, I didn't catch his name, but uh, the people who introduced me said, oh, he's the new travel editor of the uh, Independent, which oh. was a whole new ball game in those days. Uh, and it was, well, it was you, I will. Uh, and yes. uh, I got chatting and um, you said, as you often do to people, I think, uh, where did you last travel? And I said, I just, just had a <laughs> terrible time in, uh, in Wales. It rained the whole time. Our tent uh, blew away. Uh, I nearly drowned the children and so on and so on. Um, and you said, that sounds like a good holiday story. Why don't you write it up? And I did. Oh well, that, that oh, gosh, oh, how lovely! Well, that's that's very very quaint. I um, don't think I even bought you a drink, so but I will do soon. Well, yes, it's only been what twenty two yeah. years. What inflation oh, is now? Now that you invited me to bring um, bring some writing along, and I just thought, well, I'm not going to sort through stuff, so I just thought I'd bring you what I had written this week um, about an hour ago. Here oh, we are. I say <laughs> this very good. Yeah, okay. Uh, right, um, yeah. So uh, you've got to understand the context. This is um, uh, for the 1st of February 2020, an important day, the first one out of Europe in um, many years, many decades. Right. As this week of sadness and madness has dragged on, it's become increasingly clear that there's plenty in common in the mindsets of some people who voted to leave the European Union and some travellers worrying about the alarming new coronavirus. In a world as full as evidence as it is of wonders, they have a distinct disinclination to ask and check. There we are. Well, that is, uh, that's coming along nicely. Well, thank I, you very I, I much. Yes, unfortunately, um, the, the um, online world being what it is, it's already too late. So um, <laughs> I, I, well, I appreciate your, your suggestions for improvement. It's not... Um, uh, there we are. What have you got there? Is well, no, I, I was just going to um, make the point, seeing as we've now both revealed the first paragraphs of, of some undying piece of work. Um, yes. I should ask you something that is always... Um, quoted at me by people who commission and edit um, travel pieces which is make sure you get to the heart of the place or the story um, as soon as you can in the first paragraph is that good no it depends um there's a very nice piece which I, I, I have read, for example. Seasickness sickness is not a cause for concern on the average river crossing, but the river plate is no average river. So that's already made me think, well, hang on, what's going on here? It took my fast ferry 75 minutes to get from Buenos Aires in Argentina to the Uruguayan town of Colonia del Sacramento on the opposite bank. On the day I'd chosen to travel, this was at least an hour to long so a uh, rough old time but a good old um, paragraph to get me um, uh, intrigued so getting to the heart of the place I don't know um, that you've only got one paragraph to get people to read the rest and um, I would say yes big tick there um, a brilliantly commissioned piece I think from uh, 2011 I, I 
uh, it also in the Independent. So uh, yeah, yes, and also written by me as I yes. as, as it happens. Yes, but. Um, uh, there are a few occasions when I've been asked to give talks to um, school students, poor things, about um, travel writing, which does sometimes crop up on the syllabuses of, of English GCSE. And uh, one of the things I always say to them is avoid clichés. And then they say, what is a cliché? And then we discuss that at some length. And, uh, <laughs> and it does appear to me that one person's cliché is another person's piece of imaginative writing. However, there are some things which, if you read a lot of travel articles, you do see... Um, well, tell me if you think these things are clichés and therefore best avoided. Uh, snow-capped mountains, um, uh, fast-flowing rivers, narrow winding streets, or narrow streets winding upwards to a cobbled square blah, etc. Uh, yes, and of course the dot, dot, dot of contrast, whether that's an island, a city, a continent, <laughs> a country. Uh, <laughs> a country of, of contrast, contrast yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, yes, they are, um, but you've got a nice quote here from... Um, uh, from Galian Thubron, of course, um, who wrote about uh, very evocatively about Russia when it was the main part of the USSR. Um, uh, go on then. Oh, right, okay, yes. Now, um, I'm sure that listeners will all have seen, if not actually been to visit, uh, Red Square in the uh, centre of Moscow and also and particularly the Cathedral of St Basil's which is I suppose the most um, impressive building in it though you might disagree anyway it's normally um, described as onion domes and stuff like that reaching up to the sky blah 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 but what Colin Thubron says about St Basil's it's like some organic growth a fantastical stepland plant which is not reaching to the heavens at all, but is upside down, bulbs and roots waving in a sky-blue soil. And that is real proper travel writing, I would say. That um, is from a genius. Stuff. Um, at, at the time when they're, they're actually getting to Moscow to write that was really tricky. And, of course, Eric Newby did uh, similar things with the big red train ride. And these people were all travelling at a time when it was really, really difficult to travel, as opposed to now where you can go anywhere tomorrow. And that's obviously helped the democratisation of travel journalism. Um, I once interviewed him for a Radio 4 programme and he did say a number of very interesting things. One of them was the amount of research that he put into his uh, books before he even went. And he said that he spent um, getting on for a year <laughs> learning the lang rudiments of the language, i.e. Russian and Chinese, languages that he didn't speak. Um, uh, and then he then added another two months of research, desk research, into you know, books about the places he was going to, and then he set off um, uh, and took copious and meticulous notes about everything uh, that he saw and experienced. And then he went on to say something which I thought was very good indeed, um, when you think about that rather nice description of St Basil's that we've just... But can I swerve you onto something else? Of course. Uh, which I brought a sample of your um, excellent work. Uh, 12 this is. 
um, Traveller's Guide to Festive Spain. And look, there's so many of these. This would these days, I think, be called a listicle. But it's a <laughs> Traveller's Guide that is basically just saying um, <laughs> it's a wonderful time to go to Spain because of all the festivals that are coming up um, during the coming year. This was a piece written, obviously, in January, which is peak travel journalism. The roots of most fiestas are to be found in Roman Catholicism. They commemorate saints' days or miraculous local events. The oldest of all is the Romeria Virgen de la Cabeza at Andújar in the Andalusian province of Jaén, easily reached from the UK via Malaga, which is served by flights from a wide range of airports. This fiesta, held on the last Sunday of April, dates back to the 13th century, when, so the story goes, a local shepherd discovered an image of the Virgin Mary on a rocky hillside and had his withered arm amazingly healed. The current celebrations attract an astonishing 500,000 people from all over Spain. The most committed make the 30-kilometre pilgrimage on foot or on horseback rather than by car from the town up to the Sanctuary of the Virgin, built dramatically at the highest point of the Sierra Morena. Visitors can expect a heady mix of singing, dancing, drinking and expressions of religious fervour, and a festival that is still authentically Spanish. For something like this, well, it's quite tricky because you're just trying to give nuggets and that's a very different thing. It provide information. It and took course, me a long time to write. That, I know actually. it takes forever because you've got to get um, well, you've got to get all your facts right, and then the annoying travel editor will say, "Oh, can't we have a um, a, a box on um, uh, Semana Santa?" That means an Holy... extra bit of yes. copy, which is sort of boxed off from yes, the rest. So 150 um, words with some information at the end, um, and uh, it works very well for, for for what used to be called newspapers, and it goes on for page after page, and it's got some <laughs> lovely. Pictures. Yeah, that got me. But it, it's not travel journalism, and, and from what you're saying, it's not much fun to do either. Um, well, d- 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 not as much fun as if somebody had given me quite a lot of money to travel around <laughs> and enjoy all of those festivals, obviously. But um, I, but I, no, that's not really true. I do like doing these things, and I do get a kick out of finishing it, um, having it okayed by the. Um, travel editor and then i like it appearing yes but you're having to do this from your desk aren't you which is yes um, that's uh, right which increasingly travel journalism is about Uh, on that subject um for a professional um and veteran travel writer like yourself travel journalist i mean surely the whole purpose of the gig the the job is being away from home and i wondered (laughs) if this did indeed cause problems for you given that I know you have a family and yeah. um, commitments and um, you know. uh, well, no, I, I, I think um, a certain amount of envy quite rightly because my um, uh, lovely wife would uh, much prefer to be travelling than, um, uh, than being at home uh, but, but of course these days I mean it used to be the case that if you were going on a really long if you wanted to report in the same year on the Middle East, on Asia, on Australia, on the US. The only way to do it would be actually to do a kind of one month ra- uh, round the world thing. You don't really need to do that now. So everything is so accessible. It's not not a particular issue. And of course, things have reversed, which means that 
you can do those desk writing things where you've got to write all about festive Spain but you can do that in, sitting in a cafe in Salamanca or um, indeed while on the um, uh, Trans-Siberian Railway. It's a, it's a, a wonderful, wonderful flexibility with your trusty laptop. Now, in fact, Dr Johnson, yes, good who on, had yes. something to say about, quite a lot to say yeah. about nearly everything, um, actually had something very interesting to say on this very subject. And this was reported by uh, his faithful fellow traveller and secretary, Boswell. Dr Johnson expressed a particular enthusiasm with respect to visiting the Wall of China, which I think we'd call the Great Wall of China. I said I really believed I should go and see the Wall of China had I not children of whom it was my duty to take care. Sir, (laughs) said he, by doing so, you would do what would be of importance in raising your children to eminence. There would be a luster reflected upon them from your spirit and curiosity. They would at all times be regarded as the children of a man who had gone to view the wall of China. I am serious, sir. So that's reflected glory, uh, we could say, is we, it? We, you could do, yes. Now, look, um, uh, this being 21st century and this being high-pressure, high-speed journalism, I need to leave at high speed. But I need to ask you what you're proudest of and what you're least pr- pr- proudest of in terms of writing. Um... Uh, well, I, I'm, I'm proudest of um, a body of work, a number of articles I wrote about, um, about Argentina, um, and I'm least proud about something which I <laughs> was trying to find, but I think I've lost it, which is called, um, it's called in the business, or it was anyway, an advertorial, which yes. is basically when you, you write something which is just a piece of advertising copy but you sort of make it look well you're honest about it it is uh, uh, anyway this was about a hotel in cancun in uh, southern mexico which i will uh, okay well uh, yeah well i have now managed to find it um advertorial for i believe it was the um, uh, the evening standard um hard rock hotel cancun here it goes Hot sun, white sand, warm turquoise sea, and Fender guitars. Cancun's five-star Hard Rock Hotel is an all-inclusive resort, where the company's trademark rock star experience envelops you from the moment your transfer drops you at the guitar-shaped entrance drive to the time, quite late probably, when you lay your head on the guitar-embroidered pillow. Well, look, that's uh, serving a purpose. I know what it's like now. I shall probably try and, as it were, sleep in your bed in the, uh, in, in the nicest possible sense. Well, you might actually have to also take advantage of... Uh, this is the last paragraph, which I'm slightly prouder of. Nightly entertainment includes shows, competitions and parties, while for the ageing rocker, the ultimate dream of mastering that Hendrix riff can be achieved with one of the hotel's fenders, assisted by free video lessons and luckily for the rest of the family a pair of headphones that is a marvelous marvelous um uh, uh, tour de force i would say um but as long as it got you to cancun that's the main thing right didn't it, it got me precisely um well from my chair to my computer well there we, that that's 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 a sad sad reflection on the state of travel writing but in general i think 
that travel writing is is, um, is is fragmenting, but that's probably a good thing. I mean, you would say it's here to stay. Oh, well, I think so. Even though everyone can travel everywhere, that's um, yeah, a slight exaggeration. I think to interpret the world, whether it is the Hard Rock in Cancun or uh, St Basil's Cathedral in Moscow, is still an important thing for the world. I think, actually, one of the things that, that um, people say about um, travel writing quite often is, uh, yeah, but you got paid to do that. don't know why. I could do it. And I suppose the answer is generally yes, but possibly to do it in a way that does the job um, does take quite a lot of work. Uh, it does, and of course it's one of these things where once you've been doing it for a while, you kind of think you know how to do it. But maybe, maybe you just need to welcome fresh people in uh, at all times in order to keep, um, keep the trade sharp. Well, if anybody would like to send us their first few sentences, um, then we are always available uh, on anchor.fm slash you should have been there. And look, that's all for now. Next time we will be joining you from Central Asia, or rather, well, not quite from Central Asia, but we'll be trying to tell you everything you need to know about it. So from me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.